I mean, I guess so. Yeah, I guess that I really don't have a lot of, uh, what's the word? Oh, yeah, morals. Hey, Brian. Hey, Brian. Hey, Brian. Yeah? What'd you have for breakfast? Wow, you, you're you jumping the gun again. That's uh, that's real sweet of you. I like that you have the initiative to, uh, to ask me what I had for breakfast. That's so sweet. For all of you out there that are in romantic relationships of the uh of the long-term kind um you know how like uh date doctors they always say like the person that has the most power in a relationship is who cares less i directly oppose that and say that the person that has the most power in a relationship is who asks the other one who has what they had for breakfast first Uh, i say that the person that has the most power in a relationship is the one with the pop filter blooping out the theme is not going to get you out of getting that pop filter and attaching it to your microphone so that we don't have plosives okay Okay, it's on no it's not it's on right now okay uh say the name of your favorite uh just say a p into the microphone k no, no, that's the wrong consonant. L? P. No. L? <laughs> M. P. P. Uh, N? Okay, next one. C. No, no, what's what's after N? B. No, no. What's after N? A. Okay. Seven. <laughs> Seven is not a letter. Seventeen. That's not a letter eight, either. One hundred. Seventeen seventy-five. Sam Adams. Great. You are not saying anything that can be plosivized, but when you said the power in the relationship, I heard many pops and peas and plosives. It's almost like I have trained myself not to use any of those words. It would be way easier and give you the full gamut of English language to attach your pop filter and say things that include peas. It's interesting, though, because like because I went to, to writing school... Um, we would have entire workshops where they'd be like, okay, so here's how we're not going to use a certain letter of the alphabet uh, while we're writing our art. It's the one that comes after O and the one that comes before Q. Uh, that letter is dead to us. And that was how I got my writing degree. That wasn't a workshop. You and I both know that that was not a writing workshop that you did at Emerson College. <laughs> it was a creative exercise. How not to use the letter P. Uh, I, I, what, what letter? P. Uh, now you're too far away from the microphone. <laughs> Please get your pop filter. <laughs> okay, I've got it. No, you don't. It's not in that room. I've been in that room relatively recently. It's not there. Okay. I've got it. Okay, no, you're just eating crackers now. That's not a pop filter. No, nope, nope. I'm cutting out that audio. Oh, God, listeners, you don't have to hear this audio, but I do. Ugh. Welcome to ASMR with Allison. Oh, no, this is really bad audio. Please, please go get your pop filter. Ah, this is torment. <laughs> okay, I'll be right back. <laughs> Wait, actually, Brian... Where is the pop filter? I think it's in the office from when I recorded uh, the Disney draft. Oh, well, I'm in the office. Where is it? 
I thought it would be in one of the drawers, maybe? There aren't any drawers in the office. Yeah, they're on the right side. There's like the little shelves. That's not drawers. That's just shelf. Hi. Hi. I found it. Where was it? I think I know where it was. You tell me where you think it was. Uh, In the closet on your bar cart. Nope. It was actually in your drawer. Uh, yay. Good. Yeah, because I remember... I couldn't find it for the uh, for the draft I recorded at your place, um, and I was really upset. But then I found it like a day later. I was like, "Oh, okay." So I knew it was there, but I knew like it was somewhere around. I was like, "Oh, huh, interesting." Want to know the silver lining of all of this, though? You you got food. I was looking in your equipment, and I found your kind bars, and I'm eating one. Awesome. <laughs> Yes, because I, I, I keep kind bars in my film equipment in case I need a uh, quick Snickers style. You're not you when you're hungry. Uh, pick me up. So I'm, I'm glad that you get to enjoy that now. The thing I don't understand about those commercials is like, I know it's like you're not you when you're hungry. But like, what if you're not you ever? That's something a candy bar can't fix. There's nothing a candy bar can't fix. For breakfast today, I had a... <laughs> a buffalo chicken hoagie with blue cheese and chicken cutlets, and it was very tasty. Describe the quality of the buffalo using feel words. What are feel words, writer? Warm and, like, vulnerable. Confrontational. Ooh. Angry. Mm-hmm. Spicy and creamy. <laughs> you can't use spicy or creamy. Those are food words. Um. Well, aren't food words feel words too? Sometimes, if you believe. But yeah, that's what I had because I woke up late and was like, you know what? Instead of a breakfast, I want lunch right now. I mean, you know, it's not like you're going to record a breakfast podcast later or anything. What did you have for breakfast? I've been having a very particular like couple weeks and I'll explain later. Today, I had a very classic Allison Truge breakfast because I was, like, super late to work. So, I went and got myself a Dunkin' Sandwich. Yes. They have discontinued the love of my life, the croissant, or the the pretzel croissant sandwich. And I've never been whole since. And I stand by that. But they also do have a maple brown sugar sandwich, which is like the regular breakfast sandwich, except there's bacon with that's like sort of candied bacon, but like the fast food version of it um, on a croissant. So I've been doing that. And that's been like, like, you know, when you have um, a hole in you and you like know that you couldn't possibly fill it, even if you tried, but you still try. That's kind of what it's felt like. Okay, so I understand having a hole that you cannot fill. However, uh, what is the bread like on this sandwich? You mentioned the it's a bacon. Croissant. Oh, it's just a regular croissant. Yeah. So maple, uh, cinnamon, maple. What, what what'd you call it? It's a. I don't know the actual phrase for it. I could look on my DD app because now I've become that person. We should talk about the DD app because oh my, why are we saying DD? The Dunkin' Donuts app because both of us have started using it since the last episode and wow. I frankly I don't think we should talk about it because I'm holding out on the Dunkin' Donuts brand deal. Uh, mm, I, I, I. Okay, yes, let's let's not. <laughs> Because definitely, you know, folks, we've been in the talks with the folks over at Dunkin' Donuts. The people at IHOP once tweeted at us, I think if we have any breakfast sponsorships or brand marketing deals in the uh, in the hopper, I think it's going to be the International House of Podcasts. I mean, International House of Pancakes. 
International House of Hopping. Next question. <laughs> uh, but no, the Dunkin' Donuts app is absolutely incredible because um, it lets you pre-order and it lets you schedule when you want your food or your coffee. The really special part of it is that, well, there's two special parts. The one that is clearly apparent is that you basically don't have to talk to any living souls. And that is absolutely a plus. But the thing that is even better than that is that you can customize your order on a granular level that is too awkward to do in person. This app lets you customize. uh, So say you order a medium iced like I do and you add in cream, sugar and mocha like I usually do. When you add each of those options, you get a slider and you can choose what number of cream, sugar, or mocha units, I guess, like pumps or cups or uh, swirls or however vials much. Vials of bloodfuls. Exactly. Vials of bloodfuls uh, that you get to add to your coffee. And it's it's amazing that you can say, okay, if a regular medium iced includes three pumps of mocha, I want four, but not as much as a large, which is six or something like that. Like You can customize this so much. I will say uh, to the good people at Dunkin' Donuts that are absolutely listening to our very important breakfast podcast, and I know that they're listening because we say that we're important in the title, um, is that the one thing I realized you cannot customize on the DD app, which is something that I was looking forward to until I realized I couldn't do it, is that you can't customize a non-dairy option for the culottas. I have a very emotional connection to the Dunkin' Donuts culotta, and now I have an emotional connection in that I cannot eat one or else I will be ill for a week. So that would be great. I haven't had a culotta in so long. What's in that again? It's like a milkshake, but thicker. What is it? It's a milkshake, but with coffee. Interesting. So... And it's kind of... it's, It's more icy than a milkshake, but it's the most milkshake you can get from Dunkin' Donuts. Yeah, I was going to say, I remember it being like frosty and thick and sweet. Like sweetness was the main characteristic. But what, it's got coffee and caffeine in it? I was discussing with somebody, you can cut this out later if you want, Brian. I don't know if you want to announce this. But I was discussing that if we go to Seattle in December for a one and only PodCon, we, Brian Hamilton, have the option of going to the first ever Dunkin' Donuts and the first ever Starbucks in the same weekend. Wait, I thought that it was just uh, Dunkin'... Oh, you mean the Dunkin' Donuts here in Boston. We can go to the first ever Dunkin' in Quincy. Mm-hmm. And we can also go to the first ever Starbucks in Seattle. That sounds like a vlog. It sounds like an opportunity, and I think that we might need to take it, folks. I've gotten a coffee from the first ever Dunkin' in Quincy before. I haven't. It's time. It tasted like history. So I have something to talk about that I alluded to a little bit earlier um, in that my breakfast this week has been typical for Allison Truge in her whole life, but has not been typical of Allison Truge this week. I, for the past two weeks straight, have been making and eating every morning of my own volition overnight oats. <gasps> you mean the screaming evil bits of sadness? You've been eating them every day? I have been. <gasps> Tell me more. So I think I've realized the problem. And it's that um, you need to speak softly when you're preparing overnight oats. Because I didn't mention this the first time, but when I was preparing overnight oats the first time, um, 
I was screaming the whole time because that's actually how I live my life. And so the overnight oats mimicked me because they're kind of like parrots. Um, And so I would open up the lid and it would be like, there they are. They're screaming. Screaming their little oat heads off. I also think the difference is that, like, I, I feel like for a really long time, I thought I was a thick oatmeal person, but it turns out I'm, like, a thin, watery oatmeal person, and so I, I've just, it's, it was simple as putting more liquid in the overnight oats. I don't even do anything special to them. Literally, like, all I do is, at night, take some steel cut oats, some Joe Steel cut oats, hey Joe Steel, and then I just put in some lactate milk and uh, some chia seeds and some frozen strawberries, and uh, that's all it is. And then when I serve it up at work, uh, I, I take the work honey and I put it in my oatmeal. So you mentioned thinner oatmeal is more your jam now. Uh, what about overnight oats necessitates thin oatmeal? Because if I'm ever going to eat oatmeal, which I don't think I ever will again, based on a bad experience I've definitely talked about on this show, what can I expect from overnight oats versus like, I, I I want thicker oatmeal. Why does overnight oats have to be thin? Well, I, I think it's a preference thing. I realized recently that like, because oatmeal is kind of an ordeal to eat, or at least I kind of feel that way even now. Um, it's an ordeal in a good way now for me, because like literally I make like, a container. I have this like thermos that I use. I like make a thermos basically of overnight oats and I literally just eat it all day. Like I make enough to have it for breakfast and lunch in my office. And so I like that it's an ordeal. But the thing I don't like about thick oatmeal is like just texturally it's kind of like bleh. And I think also like chia seeds, uh, they're, I eat them because like, I like the protein and stuff like that. You know, it's like a really easy way to like make something like a totally complete meal instead of just kind of like, oh, you know, it's oatmeal. Uh, but chia seeds get kind of gelatinous. And I think we've discussed in this podcast before that I am not a gelatinous person. Well, I am, (laughs) but I don't like it. Okay. Okay. Yes. Chia seeds are the weirdest food ever. I know nothing about chia seeds. I've probably never eaten them of my own volition. And if I have, they're like hidden in some uh, dish somewhere. And I don't quite understand them. What do you remember? Do you remember chia pets, Brian? Chia. Like literally, if you just lick the heads of those things, that's what chia seeds are. Okay. Mm, yes, I, I I think the connection was there in my brain, but I never actually made it so uh, viscerally. And uh, now you know. And now. Uh... Well, I mean, if you're going to stay dating me, like, you're probably going to have to eat overnight oats at some point. Okay, yeah, I know, I know, that's true, that's probably going to happen, but for me, I just don't like, I I know you like soggy cereal, which is, you know, more power to you, but... (laughs) Well, that's the thing I really like about overnight oats, and I think that's what got me over my mental block with them, is that I was thinking, like, when you're talking about soggy cereal... This is the soggiest that cereal could possibly be. And that made me like it a lot more. (laughs) Okay, sure. But how has it been convenience-wise to make your meals in advance and then just have them the next day? It's been so convenient. Like, I don't know. I've always considered myself, like, the kind of person that quite literally can never plan ahead for, like, meals. Like, I have never marinated a chicken breast overnight like things happen in my life I can't be expected to follow plans um and so I I don't know it's just it's so easy it literally takes me less than a minute to prepare this thing 
And then in the morning, I, like, don't have to worry about it. And, I, you know, I'm thinking more, like, as much as I love my, like, breakfast sandwich from Dunkin' Donuts every single day habit, um, you know, it's nice to actually, like, eat something not fast foody for a change. And we've talked about this before, that, like, I work at a food court, and so, like, I actually end up, like, being really annoyed when I have to eat from the food court because I'm just like, it's so much money. And also it's like bad for me. And also it's going to make me feel like crap later. Like not because of like fat phobic reasons, but just because like, you know, you put bad stuff in your body and it comes, it comes back to you and kind of like a, my body doesn't feel very good kind of way. So I'm really glad that this has worked out for you in terms of uh, things I have criticized you for that wind up being very convenient. Speaking of things you have criticized me for that wind up being very convenient. Oh, no. (laughs) Uh, From the New York Times on August 1st, 2017 by Sadie Stein. Ode to the buttered roll, that New York lifeline. Is this about me? No, no. It's about uh, my favorite thing in the world and the thing I love the most, which is uh, bread and butter. Why are you talking about me? Because I do a podcast with you, and also this is about bread and butter, and not you. Oh! It can be hard to explain the appeal of a buttered roll. Unlike the breakfast sandwich or the crawler, the humbled buttered roll makes no claims to lusciousness. It's really not greater than the sum of its parts. A round roll sliced and slathered with butter. There's no alchemy involved. And yet, like many New Yorkers, I've breakfasted all my life on buttered rolls, wrapped in plastic, foil, or wax paper, and sold for about a dollar at any corner deli, bodega, or coffee cart. Do I love them? No, that's not really the point. I love that they exist. An unsung, charmingly ordinary hero of the city's mornings. Bam! Buttered roll validation. What up? I mean, I'm I'm really torn right now because, like, that was so lovely hearing you read like that, babe. But also, like, no. So, uh, so, oh, okay, okay. So, uh, for maximum cognitive dissonance, I just need to read very beautifully things that you disagree with. I mean, I guess so, yeah. I guess that I really don't have a lot of, uh, what's the word? Oh, yeah, morals. Ooh, sick. It turns out I crumble very easily. But yeah, this article is all about the New York phenomenon of the buttered roll, where... um... I will say, so I I was actually just kind of like doing a bit before. I think buttered rolls sound incredible. I love bread and butter and buttered rolls. The thing that has perturbed both me and Micah Sargent is the fact that it's like Wonder Bread with margin on it, which is also not a bad thing, but they're not the same thing. Okay, I I see that, but to me, on one hand, these buttered rolls are not hot. They're just rolls with butter on them. Okay, but also, I I want to make clear, I'm sure that all the listeners know this, but I want you to know this, Brian. The first time when Micah and I were trying to tell you about this, we were perplexed because you were saying that you spread butter on, like, a piece of, like, white bread and we didn't understand because, like, butter in its stick form is not necessarily spreadable on Wonder Bread because it would kind of just pill up. And what you had meant to say was margarine. That was where the suspicions lie. To some purists, a butter roll made with spread is not worth eating. The entire point of roll is to spread with sweet, real butter, said Christina Harkar, a fifth-generation New Jerseyan. The day they switched to margarine in the 70s is the day my grandmother ate her last buttered roll. So you're right. Margarine does not count. Also, I learned on that episode that country crock is margarine. You didn't know that country crock was margarine? We just called it butter in my house. I just said margin. That's because I'm a book designer. Oh, God, what's <laughs> happened to me? So you're going to uh, typeset me a breakfast sandwich later? 
Yes. One day I'm going to design a book and someone's going to be like, why is there a little vector image of like country croc in the margins <laughs> of my book? And I'll be like, listen to yourself. Just kidding. I'd never do that. I'm available for freelance work. Just email me at allisontrues.gmail.com. The kerning of this breakfast sandwich is a little bit off, and I need to readjust the construction here. Don't even get started with me. If we, like, started talking about breakfast sandwiches in the terms of typesetting, we'll be here all day. Check your phone. Who's this? What in the world? Is that Griffin? That is Griffin... Justin, uh, Dave Chappelle, and on the right, somehow, with the award for world's biggest glow up, Travis. Stop it. No. Nope. That, that's real. This is a real thing. <laughs> no. Yeah. So I knew that that was Griffin, and I was shocked and amazed by that. And I knew that that was Dave Chappelle, but I was so confused because I was like, literally, who is that on the right? Look at the lips. That's that's just how Travis uh, McElroy does with this. How is how is that the same person? Did they switch him out with a different person? Is this like a Paul is dead, miss him, miss him conspiracy? Because like Justin looks exactly the same. I exactly. thought like when I first saw Justin, I was like, oh, this is just taken. But then you see Griffin and he looks 12. <laughs> is he actually 12? I have no idea how old they are. Where did you find this? Um, Film Crit Hulk tweeted this. Let me see the story. Um, it's been several hours now, and Hulk cannot has not been able to stop thinking about this picture of the young McElroys and Dave Chappelle. Still thinking. The burning questions. How did this meeting happen? Is Justin an ageless vampire? Is baby Griffo wearing adult clothes? <laughs> uh, oh my god. Wait, this is the 90s. Justin confirms it is the 90s. Oh my god. Over... 17 years ago. So how old would Justin be? He's 35 now. This is... Was he our age? No, younger. This would have been like 17-year-old Travis McElroy. Or 17-year-old Justin McElroy. And so Travis was probably like 15. Griffin sounds like Griffin was 13. 13, 12 or 13. Holy heck. 